Xavier, I'd be rich if I had a dollar every time I heard someone say, man, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know today about money. They need to be teaching about this stuff in school. Like the power of investing early. Compound interest. That alone would impact lives. Understanding and planning for taxes. Understanding the difference between both good debt and bad debt. Eric, what about all the stuff about money that business owners need to know? What kind of insurance should you be buying? The importance of contributing towards your retirement. They don't teach any of this stuff in school. Y'all sit back, get ready, because we are talking stuff about money they didn't teach you in school that you need to know. Welcome back to Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You at School. I'm Xavier Angel, Certified Financial Planner, and I'm joined today with my guest, co-host. <laughs> guess, guess, is that what I am to you? I know what the problem is. I know what the problem is. See, y'all, if you're watching on YouTube, you're wondering, dang, Xavier's got a real nice uh, fake background. No, but he is, he is on the golf course right now. He is, Xavier's recording this from City Park, and he might be day drinking, so that's why he thinks I'm his guest. Yes, uh, my co-host, Eric Garcia, Thank you, Certified Financial Planner. Eric, how you doing today? I'm doing good, and for the record, Xavier's drinking a beer. It's a weak beer. It's Friday in New Orleans. It's a beautiful day. He's out networking on the golf course. So this is, you know, he's, he's not slamming a back, y'all. Relax. Yeah. Relax. But, it, but it's for the kids. Who knows? <laughs> who knows what he's going to say on this podcast? <laughs> so who knows, Eric? So, Eric. Today, we've got uh, a very interesting uh, conversation started. Uh, yeah. One of the questions that we've been getting a lot lately is about 401ks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, t- so today, we're going to talk about seven, um, seven, seven things that uh, every 401k investor needs to know. Yeah. So I've been getting the, co- I've been getting the question kind of from, from both ends, really. Um, number one, from business owners, uh, we've been talking a lot about what are retirement plan options that they can provide for their employees. And then employees or, or clients who work for companies who work for 401ks have been asking questions about their plans, um, how they work. Um, so figured since we're getting these questions or we're having these conversations a lot, we might as well put a podcast out there about seven concepts that 401k investors should know. Now, check this out. We're talking about 401k investors, but if you participate in any workplace retirement plan, whether it's a simple plan or something along those lines, uh, a lot of this content is going to be relevant to you, so so um, absolutely. So listen, in. so so hopefully, hopefully, so, Zay, go go ahead. So I was I was going to say, um, let's go ahead and get started because you know the guys are waiting me for me yeah. out at the golf course. So and you're so, terrible. Yeah. You're terrible at golf. So I mean, you're you're probably just what are you just you're just there to to shake hands, huh? All I do is drink and drive. So that's about it. I drink. I drive the cart. I'll take a swing every now and then. But you, I'm, you, I'm enjoying you, my time outside. You drink and drive. You just said I drink and drive. You drink and that, drive only on the golf course. Okay, so it's so, for the kids. Eric, it's for the kids, people. It's for the kids. It, it is. It is for the kids. So, um, so Eric, I've, I've been getting a lot of uh, questions mm-hmm. regarding diversification. What is diver- yep. diversification, and yep. why do I need it? Number one, beautiful. That I feel like you've read my notes, Xavier. Number one concept for 401k investors to understand is the importance of 
diversification. So the idea of diversification, and a lot of people already know, yeah, that means like don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? You've heard that before. Yeah, that's kind of what diversification is. You don't want to load yourself all up in one type of investment and be subject to the whims of, of one type of investment. So let me let me kind of give you a story real quick to put this idea of diversification in your mind. So I have or I had backyard chickens uh, up until recently. So for our listeners who who like to hear me talk about my chickens, I now have to tell stories about them in the past because we did get rid of them. They are living at the barn with with the horses and a goat, a llama, other chickens and rabbits. So they're they're happy. They're happy. But anyway, they give me eggs every morning. I get lazy every now and then. And I'd go back there and there might be five or six eggs in their roost. So this one morning I go back. Sure enough, there's five or six eggs. Put them in my pocket. Big old gym shorts on. So I put them in my pocket. I walk back in the house and I'm walking alongside the piano. And my pocket is sticking out a little bit further than it normally would. Because I had all the eggs in it. And I did not judge that distance properly, dude. And I slammed my pocket up against the piano. And I had like five or six egg yolks dripping down my leg. So moral of the story, don't put all your eggs in one pocket. You don't want to have all your investments in one type of investment. So, yeah. so Eric, let, let me ask you this. Because I have people that tell me all the time, they think they are diversified in their mm-hmm. portfolios. And they're invested in, in Apple and, and, and Microsoft. Technology is where they're invested. Yeah, yeah. So for the most part, in 401ks, you're not going to have the option to invest in individual stocks or individual securities. And there, there's good reason for that. The only option you may have is if you work for a big company, you may have access to some of their um, some of their stock to invest in. But the, here's the beautiful thing about 401ks, and this is why I think it's important for 401k investors to understand: is you get typically you're going to get immediate immediate diversification when you start investing your first dollar because you're dealing with mutual funds. So a mutual fund is a collection of individual stocks or individual bonds. So you're getting immediate diversification across multiple companies. Now take it one step farther. In, in in 401ks, you're probably going to see one investment type called large cap growth, another type called large cap value, another type maybe called mid cap, or you might see something called asset allocation. So these are different types of, of um, investments that you can further diversify. So the story here, the moral of the story here, and I'm not going to go into details about what each of these different asset classes mean. Just understand that all the different offerings in a 401k plan tend to um, be some different some there's some difference in the underlying investments okay now Great. you're talking about technology companies so you right. can further diversify typically also in 401ks you're not going to see mutual funds that are going to be that specific you're not going to typically see a technology mutual fund or a oil and gas mutual mm-hmm. fund um there's good reason right. because the plan sponsors the companies have a responsibility to provide Good, quote unquote. So, uh, you go right. Ahead. So, Eric, I, I, so a question that I get all the time is if I am looking to diversify my 401k, my simple, my SEP IRA, can I choose one of the um, lifestyle funds and, and use that to diversify, to have a diversified portfolio? Yeah. So, what mutual fund companies have done or 401k companies have done, they've kind of made, made it uh, easy, particularly for people, you know, if you're not a, if you're not a, a build, Gates or Warren Buffett type investor, you don't you don't want to take the time to research all this stuff. What the individual funds are, they've created what they call target date funds or lifestyle funds or 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 funds that are tied to a specific type of risk class. 
So typically the way it works is you pick the date that you plan on retiring. So you're going to retire in 2050. So you're picking the 2050 fund. And what they automatically do is they'll mix um, all the different mutual funds into a portfolio that would be appropriate for someone retiring in the year 2050. So the further off you have, the, the riskier the portfolio is, the potential for more growth. So that's actually a good thing for for uh, 401ks to do that. I, I, I do believe it, it gives some protection to investors who might not be working directly with a financial advisor to give financial advice. So they design these to, to kind of put some guardrails, if you will, around, around investing. So that's diversification. So when you invest in your 401k, you're getting instant diversification. Now, let me tell you one thing real quick on diversification. Diversification does not guarantee positive returns. Diversification doesn't mean your money's going to uh, grow. What that tends to mean, again, is that you're not betting on one type of company or one type of mutual fund. You, you have you have the chance of if one does poorly, then hopefully the other does better. And we can get more sophisticated in building our portfolios when we talk about correlation, right? There's bond funds. So bond funds typically are going to be safer. I'm doing air quotes here, safer than stock funds. Um, and they tend to work oftentimes not opposite per se, but they kind of, you know, one's doing good, one's doing poor, one's doing, you know, poor, the other one's doing good, and so on and so forth. Right. That's great stuff, Eric. Thank right. you. Number two, second so, concept. Number two. Second concept is compound interest. Mm -hmm. Compound interest. Yeah. This is probably one of my favorite um, concepts in personal finance in general. So compound interest, real, real, real simple. Okay. It's interest that you earn on your money, right, is going to earn interest the next year. So not only is your original money going to grow, but the interest that you earned in the first year is going to grow. And then after that second year, all the interest that you earned on interest and your original money is going to grow in the third year. So then in the third year, all the interest you earned in year one, two, and three are going to earn interest and so on and so forth. It's it's the, Benjamin Franklin said, the money your money earns, hold on, money makes money. The money your money makes, makes money. <laughs> so, so it's that, it's, have you seen That's that? That's a mouthful. Have you seen that? Um, I think it's an American Express commercial. Um, guy's at a pet shop and he's at the cash register. And there's I haven't money. seen that one. There's bunnies at no. the cash register, and he's like, "Oh, cute little bunnies!" And then, and then he, they cut back to the scene. And then all of a sudden, there's like six bunnies, and then they cut back to the scene. And all of a sudden, there's like eighteen bunnies, and the, the amount of bunnies just kind of grows exponentially. It keeps keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah. I, that's no, compound I interest. That one. That's compound so, interest. If I have a twenty or thirty year old that's yes. that's talking to me, and you know they're just getting started in a career or their or their job, and they don't have a lot of disposable cash, you know. I'm always telling them you've got to invest because time is on your side. Yep. So yep. what what would you what would you tell to that 20 or 30 year old who's but saying, she, you know what, Eric, I don't have enough money right now to invest? Yeah, I, I would say, man, but what you you might not have money, you might not have a month a lot of money to invest, but you have a lot of time. Okay. And time mm -hmm. is one of the greatest resources that we have when it comes to investing. Because the longer we have for our money to grow, right? The more the the more our money can make money, and the money that money makes can make more money, and the more that money that money that made money is making money can make more money, right? And it just continues to grow. So consider this, right? There's something we call the, the rule of seventy two. It's just a quick per, rule of personal finance. How long will it take my money to double? So we take seventy two, 
you divide into 72 the rate of return or interest you can earn on your money. Right. So if it's sitting at 1% in some bank account, it's going to take 72 years for your money to double. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, most of okay. us don't have 72 years to double our money. Right. But let's say we can earn 7.2% on our money just to make math easy. Right? And you okay. think that you think that, you know, I've got $10,000 in an old 401k. So I'm just going to take it. I'm 30. I'm going to take it. I'm going to spend it because I mean, really, it's just $10,000. That's not going to help you retire. Well, consider no. this. And let's say you retire at 60. And I'm picking numbers to make the math easy. Okay. The rule of 72, if you're earning 7.2% of your money, says it's going to take 10 years for your money to double. Okay. So let's do some quick math. If I'm okay. 30, in 10 years, I'll be 40. My 10,000 will grow to 20,000. 20,000. All right. I got 20 more years of retirement. So I'm 40. By the time I turn 50, my 20,000 is going to turn to 40,000. I got 10 more years to retirement, so my money can double one more time. My 40 is going to turn into $80,000. That's the power of compounding interest. In fact, if you look at our if you look at our um, logo art with the podcast, there's a formula on the chalkboard. That's actually the formula for the future value of a lump sum of money. So I love this stuff. Keep, keep taking us to school, Eric. I'm loving it. Okay. All right. Third thing. You want to go to the third thing? The third that I would tell that young is, person, or not even a young person, yes. anyone investing, third concept that you need to understand when you're investing in the 401k is dollar cost averaging. Okay, just like just like compound interest is is a um, a powerful phenomenon phenomenon mm-hmm. dollar cost averaging. So basically, what that says is that you are going to be putting a consistent amount of money on a consistent basis in the stock market, regardless of what's happening. So in essence, what you're doing is you're buying when the stock market's up, you're buying when it's down, you're not, you're, you're buying when it's sideways. So you're buying in a different price point. So you're averaging the cost of entry into the stock market. The impact that that has is twofold. Number one, um, what it does is it tends to reduce the volatility in your portfolio because you're buying in at different points of time in the marketplace. Okay. So it's not, it's not going to guarantee that your money grows, but it's helping mm-hmm. reduce the the volatility. So, for example, if you've been buying into this market right now since, let's say, December of, of 2021, man, your portfolio is continuing to drop and drop and drop and drop because that's just what the market's done. But every time you make an investment for, that's deducted from your paycheck, right, goes directly into your 401k, you're buying more and more shares of that investment that you're in. So when the market does inevitably recover because that's all that we know historically markets have always recovered when the market does recover you've bought a boatload of shares in your invest in your portfolio at really 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 inexpensive prices who doesn't like a good sale so eric that if if i'm dollar cost averaging then i'm sticking with that uh, old saying of buy low you know and and potentially sell high then well, we're not even selling. We're just buying. We're we're buying low. Right, we're buying high. Right. We're just buying. We're just we're just continuing to buy regardless of what's happening. So this is going to lead us to our fourth concept. Okay. So so the, the I said the first thing about dollar cost averaging is that it kind of helps reduce volatility. The second thing that I really like about dollar cost averaging and may, maybe maybe one of the more powerful parts to it, and this is the fourth mm-hmm. concept, is understanding the impact of your emotions. This has been an emotional year in the market. 
Yeah, that's that's what I was just about to say. Um, you know, with the ups and the downs, the highs and lows, people become extremely emotional. We're incredibly anxious. I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, we're emotional beings and, and emotions are really, really bad advisors. Um, you know, oftentimes emotions tell us something that we need to listen to them. Um, but when it comes to financial decisions, emotions are bad advisors. So if you're committed to a plan, i.e. dollar cost averaging, that I'm going to buy regardless of what's happening, what did I just remove from the equation? My emotion. You removed the emotion. I just removed my emotion. So check this out. This is an interesting stat. Several companies have done similar studies, but uh, Vanguard has a study, okay? And they said that your emotions can impact your portfolio by 1.5%. Mm. So, so um, statistically, when they look at portfolios managed by individuals, um, when your emotions come into play, it can impact your portfolio by one and a half percent. Because we, when we're emotional, we're, we we sell at the wrong time, like you said. You know, we sell rather than sell high and buy low. We mm. we 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 sell low because we're scared, we're terrified, we're we're full of fear because the market's down, so we sell. Right, our emotions right. gave us really bad advice. So I, I see that on a regular basis. I actually had a call this morning. Um, the initial, when you initially called me, I was on a, on a call with a client, um, who had called and he, he was, he was panicking. He, he wanted to, the markets are down. Um, you know, he told me, look, everything I'm hearing, we're going to continue to be down. Um, I need to go to cash. So is this how your call went? Hey, look, look, Mr. Client, I, I know you're concerned for, excuse me, one second. I got I got a tee off, Mr. Client. Oh, look, it's going to be okay. Don't want, you don't see me where I'm day drinking, Mr. Client. Is that? <laughs> uh, you know what? I told him, I said, look, I, I, I'm going to try to answer your call now, but let's wait until Monday, really, because I've been having I've been drinking a couple. So <laughs> he understood. Um, you know, I, I gave him a couple a couple lines for, for the for the record. Y'all just see so you now. <laughs> Xavier has all his wits about him right now. Um, Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Eric. You, you're welcome. So understand, understand emotions. OK. Understand that emotions yeah. are bad advisors. <clears throat> Understand that emotions lead us to, to make poor decisions more often than not, particularly with our investments. And this, the kind of emotions, this kind of leads us to our, our fifth concept is this idea of risk. And that risk is everywhere. Okay. So risk yeah. tends to heighten our emotions, right? When things are risky, we get a little scared. When there's less risk, we feel a little bit more confident. But risk is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. So so Xavier, right now, if you're not watching us mm -hmm. on YouTube, go check it out. He is sitting underneath a beautiful oak tree, blue skies, okay? He is sheltered from direct sunlight, but I can still see the sunlight because he can't get away from the sunlight unless he goes inside into a room with no windows. That's kind of like risk. Risk is everywhere. You can try to hide from it. You can try to get under a tree. You can try to go into a, 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 a safe bank, but you're always going to be exposed to some kind of risk. So... Understand in the stock market, you're exposing yourself to stock market risk. Okay. Now, Eric, go Eric, ahead. Go hold ahead. up. I got to stop you now. You just came up with that on the fly. Came I'm impressed. What? That analogy using sunlight? the trees and the sun, sunlight. Yeah, I'm impressed. Do you even know what ubiquitous means? I made that word up. <laughs> let, let me just so for our listeners, you know. <laughs> 
one of the reasons that makes this relationship great is because Eric can think on his feet. I love it. I absolutely love the fact that we're sitting here. This is an unscripted. Would you would you be um, upset? If I told you. Would you be upset if I told you I used that that uh, analogy before? I would. I really would be. Okay, I've never used it before. Okay, all right. Thank you. Go ahead. You can continue. But ubiquitous. That is a big word. That's typically a, a word that I would not use in my vocabulary. It just means like being everywhere. Okay, risk is everywhere. You can't avoid it. I mean. Xavier runs the risk right now of getting hit hit in the back of the head by a golf ball, which would actually that would make for good uh, YouTube watching. So um, I'm sure it would. I've got to root for that. But risk is everywhere. Understand that you're in stock market risk. There's several ways to manage stock market risk. One is diversification. We already talked about that. Okay, but here's here's what you need to understand about risk. Typically, in the financial space, when we're talking about investments, we talk about risk tolerance. How much risk can you tolerate? The problem with risk tolerance, and it's it's an important conversation to have, but the problem with risk tolerance is that it's it's tied very closely to our emotions. So follow me. Yeah. When the stock market's real volatile, my to- my my appetite for risk tends to decrease. When the stock market is just going up and up and up and up and up, my tolerance for risk tends to increase. Did I say that right? When it's volatile, my risk yeah. tolerance decreases. When the market's going up and up. My risk tolerance increases. Okay. So our tolerance for risk is is tightly connected to our emotions. Okay. Now, some of us are better at removing our emotions again from these financial decisions. So we're better at that. And I would say that's that tends to be someone who has a higher tolerance of risk. What I like to talk about in addition to risk tolerance is risk capacity. All right. So I tend to be a risk averse individual. I don't like risk. I don't like losing money. Um, who does really, but I understand that I have an investment horizon of 30, 40 years. I've got a fully funded emergency fund. So I can afford, I have the capacity to take on stock market risk, understanding that the more risk I take, the potential for more reward, more growth in my portfolio. So understanding risk tolerance, you might not feel like you want risk, but do you have the capacity to take on that risk? And if you do, you do want to be invested in these stock um, mutual funds that are going to give you more potential for uh, return. Let, let me tell you a quick story here on on risk. I think this this kind of will illustrate it. So you remember, what I don't know what it was, 2012, 2011, 2012, 2013, BP oil spilled more than a couple of years ago. So down the Gulf with that BP oil spill is pretty devastating for Southeast Louisiana, pretty devastating for um, particularly for our, our fishermen and oystermen down here in, in Southeast Louisiana. Um, the um, a lot of these fishermen who lost lost a lot, they were reimbursed and they, they got some of these guys got fat checks. So I had a relationship with the CPA. He referred a client to me who was a fisherman. He comes in, I think it was somewhere around one hundred thousand dollars he had and he wanted to invest it or wanted to do something with it. And he says, he says, I don't want to go in the stock market. It's too risky. I said, okay, tell me about that. He goes, oh, 2008, a lot of people lost a lot of money. And he tells me this whole story about 2008. I said, okay, fair. I said, let's, let's, let's hypothetically, let's say we had two options, two investments we could go into. Number one, you had the stock market, the S&P 500. Number two, we had a commercial fish op- fishing operation in Southeast Louisiana. Which would you prefer? He goes, oh, fishing fishing operation. I said, okay, let's talk about the risks associated with your fishing operation. 
What are some things that could put you out of business or severely impact your ability to make money? And he kind of looked at me with with like a, a puzzled face, and I said, um, "Could a could an oil spill uh, impact your business?" He goes, "Oh, oh yeah, it put me out of business." So okay, all right. Uh, how about a hurricane? He goes, "Oh, oh yeah, hurricane, hurricane too." So I said, "Okay, look." So these are two events that could like put you out of business. That's a lot of risk that you take. The stock market, on the other hand, there's very few events that are going to put you out of business that are going to take away all <laughs> all of your money. So. Um, the stock market was far less risky than the commercial fisherman operation, but he understood and he was comfortable with it. That's how risk tends to be. So if you feel afraid of the stock market, okay, get to know it a little better. Look at the history of it. Get more comfortable with it so that you're more willing to take on risk, especially if you have the capacity to, so that you can put yourself in a better position 20, 30 years from now. All right. And, and Eric, I'm going to throw this out there that, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we recommend you, you, you know, partner up with an advisor, with a planner, you know, that individual is going to help you to, to, to sit down and, and look at what that capacity is, what your risk capacity is yeah, and, and allow you to make those, the proper choices when coming to the, the investment side. Yeah. And the 401k might be just one piece of your overall financial picture. So you may, right. you may be able to invest that uh, more aggressively, or you may need to invest it more conservatively, depending on what else you have going on everywhere else. Like I said, if you have a well-funded emergency fund and there's, you know, the likelihood of you needing that money before retirement age is really, really low, well, you can afford to take on more risk. Again, more risk, the potential for more reward. So that's risk. We've talked about five things so far. Let me, let me summarize kind of where we are. Uh, we've talked about importance of diversification. We talked about the power of compound interest. We talked about dollar cost averaging. We've talked about the impact of your emotions on your investment. And we talked about risk is everywhere. Okay. Two more. And I know, uh, I know you got to, I know you got to get to, uh, um, what hole are you on, by the way? Well, I actually came back to the clubhouse. Oh. So right. I'm, I'm sitting over at the clubhouse. All right. Two, two more concepts. Okay. Number one, understand investment tax law. So you got a 401k, right? A lot of 401ks now. Uh, give you the option to make a Roth contribution or a traditional 401k contribution. Now, so now you got to make a decision. What decision do you make? Well, it, it really depends. The Roth contribution does not give you a current deduction. So you pay taxes on that money today. Why would you do that? Hmm. When you spend it, depending on your time horizon, you will spend that money and the growth on that money without paying any taxes in the future. When, when you're retirement age. It's a beautiful thing. Now, the traditional contribution right. gives you a deduction today. You don't pay taxes today. However, 100% of that money when you take it out post 59 and a half will be paid uh, that money and growth on that money, you will pay ordinary income taxes. So you get to make a decision. And the decision should be based on a couple of things. Number one, it should be based on your tax rate. That's a big thing. And number two, your time horizon. How much time do you have? Maybe the deduction today is worth it. Um, so that that's something that you really need to understand how those tax laws apply to that pot of money. Eric, I get a question um, often. Is one better than the other? Should I put my money into yeah. the Roth side okay. of the 401k or should I contribute on a traditional side of the 401k? And the second part of that question is, what happens to my employer contribution if I make a Roth contribution? 
Oh, like like the match. Okay, let, 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 let me answer that question. Let me answer that question. The understanding the match is actually the seventh concept. So let's talk about it now. Okay, so understand the match. So let me address your first question is, is one better than the other? I'm going to say yes, one is better than the other, but it just depends on your situation as to which one is better for you. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're if you're like in a high, high, high income tax uh, bracket, then the traditional might be better for you because of that deduction. It might drop okay. you a tax. Um, it might drop your tax rate. So that might be so, better for you. So on the traditional side, if my income is, let's say, $60,000 a year. And I contribute $8,000 into my 401k or retirement plan, then my taxable income is $52,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. If, if all I know about you is what you just told me, and that, that's all uh-huh. the facts about your situation, you're making $60,000, I'm probably, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably going to lean towards the recommending the Roth contribution because your tax rate is going to be really low. Gotcha. So, so, so you're paying low rate, taxes. You're paying low taxes today and no taxes in the future. Okay. So if my tax rate is high, then typically I would want to make the traditional contribution in. To, to, I mean, maybe. Depends on what else maybe. you have going on. Okay. Gotcha. So it depends okay. on what else you have going on. But but generally, I, you know, I've read some studies that say like 24% tax rate. So if your effective tax rate is 24%, I've read some studies that say if it's above 24, then you're probably going to want to go the traditional route. If it's below 24, then the Roth um, contribution might make sense. But then you also have to factor in how much time do I have for this money to grow? The longer you have to, for that money to grow, the longer you take care and mm. you take uh, advantage of compounding interest, the bigger that money can grow. So the idea is, would I rather pay taxes on the small contribution I make today or would I rather pay taxes on the large sum of money that it grows into 20, 30, 40 years from now? So that, that's why, um, but look, if you're, let me just say this. If you're like, oh, I don't know, don't, don't go brain dead trying to make the decision. Saving money is a good thing. Whether, whether you're saving in the Roth, the, the Roth option or the traditional option, save money, saving money. Number one, the number one, you know, save as much as you can. That's going to put you in a better position in the future than if you make the wrong election on the traditional or, or Roth contribution. And these things you can actually, you can actually put a little bit in traditional, a little bit in Roth. 401k plans will allow you to to split that contribution, and you can change it from year to year. So if one year you know you're going to be in a really really low tax bracket, and then maybe you make your contributions to a Roth. That's one of the advantages of working in a relationship with a financial planner is because you're looking at these things on a regular basis. And we I get that question all the time. So what what, what do I get for? For the fee that I pay my financial my financial advisor my financial planner just that helping you make decisions like that that decision could pay for the the fee that you pay us twofold threefold fourfold right <laughs> so and then your question about the match when an employer makes a match to you the employer so for my business owners listen to this you're taking a deduction at, at the business level okay. So that is going directly into the traditional pot of money for the the participant. So participant, if you're receiving it, you're receiving it in the traditional um, the the the, the okay. traditional pot, and you're going to pay taxes on that later. So think if you have both traditional and Roth contributions in your 401k, just think about it as like two two accounts or two pots of money wrapped in that 401k plan. Some of it's going to be paid taxes later. Some of it won't be paid taxes later, depending on the type of contribution. Okay. Good stuff, Eric. So last thing I want to say on the match. 
Matches are the most wonderful, beautiful thing that you can take advantage of if you're uh, a participant in a 401k. I mean, think of it this way. Your money is literally being doubled risk-free. So even if you decide, I'm going to go into the cash option on my 401k, and your, your company is going to match you. Let's say you make $100,000 a year and your company is going to match you 4%. And you put in 4%, which is 4,000. You put 4,000 in, they're putting 4,000 in. So your $4,000 investment is now $8,000 because of the match. Mm. Take advantage of the match, whatever it is. Now, uh, matches sometimes can be uh, phrased a little bit confusing. I'm going to, I'm going to match you 100% of every dollar up to 3% and then 50% of every dollar up until 5% or 6%. And then some 401ks will have vesting schedules about when the when the match becomes available to you. Um, that language can get a little bit, you, you get caught up in the weeds in that. But just understand if there's a match, uh, sometimes there's strings attached. The strings are you have to put money in, obviously, because it's a match. And sometimes it, to get the full match, you might have to be employed there for a certain period of time, one, two, three, four years, depending on um, typically if, if there's a match. I think I, I want to say two years is the longest that they can um, for the for the vesting schedule for the match portion. But these plans are all designed a little bit different. So uh, mm -hmm. just know if there's a match, take advantage of it. It is almost free money. Absolutely. All right. So those are our seven things. Recap. Let's recap real quick. Point to diversification. Power of compound interest, understand dollar cost averaging, understand the impact of your emotions on your investments, understand that risk is everywhere, understand the tax laws that apply to your uh, 401k, and then finally understand your max. These are seven things that are super important for every 401k investor to understand. Um, so, all right, y'all, if you like what you're hearing, follow us, follow us at stuffaboutmoney.com. You can hear us on any of your favorite podcast listening apps. Check us out on YouTube, uh, Plan Wisely. And finally, you can follow us on Instagram at planwisely underscore. Xavier, any, any closing words, my friend? Uh, everybody have a great day. Um, and just look, if, if this is something that you guys enjoy, please share with people that you know. Um, if you have any questions or if there's a topic that you guys would love to see us uh, talk about, send us an email. Um, and as Eric mentioned, you can reach us at um, planwisely.com. Yeah, Info. There you go. Plan dash wisely. Plan wisely. Man, I need, to, I need to get Xavier's gig and go record at the golf course. Man, get, get back out there, dude. Hit him straight. I am. I'm going hit. All right. You guys have a great one. Thank you. Talk to you guys later. Information presented and discussed on the Stuff About Money podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute direct financial advice. Consult with a qualified financial advisor prior to implementing any strategies discussed. Eric Garcia and Xavier Angel's branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated.